Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Today we start a brand new series where I talk to you about division. Have you ever wondered why we're so divided and what does the Bible say about division? Well, I want to show you in Scripture what the Bible says about it, how it can damage us, hurt us and cause us all kind of problems. You know, there's some things that work and there's some things that don't work. Division does not work. It doesn't work in a community. It doesn't work in a government. It doesn't work in a household. It just causes havoc everywhere. So stay with me today. I'll show you what Jesus said about it and I'll show you how we can deal with it. So stay right there. Enjoy On Demand, the Word of God in your hand. You can watch it when you want to. Enjoy today's message. I believe that what I'm going to talk about today is crucial because we're talking about division. It, there are some things in life that work and there's some things in life that don't work. Division does not work. It doesn't help us. It doesn't advance us. It only hinders us. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for our time together. I pray that what we talk about is helpful. There are homes divided today. There are people watching that are divided. There are people that are divided politically and they are lost in division. They're angry, mad, frustrated. I pray for healing today as we talk about the importance of being unified and being clear about the dangers of division. And then everybody watching say amen. Now, there are four things that I'm going to talk about over this coming month. I'm going to talk about division and how it hinders us and what it does to our lives. And then I'm going to come back and talk to you in a few more weeks about the importance of unity. And I, I want to say Jesus coined a simple statement that made so much sense. He said that division does not work. And he warned us. As a matter of fact, let me get you to read the text with me. It's in Matthew uh, chapter um, 12, verse 25, he said, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will not will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? That is going to be the main text we're going to use for the next few weeks. That text will basically uh, be pulled apart to explain to you how Jesus warned us. He warned us that if you are divided as a government, you're in trouble, which we'll talk about today. If you divide it as a community, we're in trouble. And if we divide as a household, we're in trouble. Any form of division in those areas leads to ruin for everybody. And that's an important thing to understand. We, we are in, uh, in something that we can't avoid called family. We're in this, on this planet together. This is our planet, this is our home, this is our life. And if we divide and lose touch with each other, assuming that it doesn't matter, then, you know, hey, we're in trouble. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, Baptist or Methodist, short, small, black, white, Asian, doesn't matter. We all live on the same planet. There's one earth. You can go to space and look around, but you can't go easily. And most of you will never go, including me. I can almost prophesy that will not be happening. I don't have any plans on going to space. So we've got to make it together here. I've been striving uh, to take on a topic every year that pulls us together. This year's theme, uh, which is centered around one question, which I try to answer every year, one question. The question for the year, I want to review that with you before I dive into this too far, was how do you live in a new world? How do we survive together? And there are 12 things that we promised to talk about this year. One was you got to be trained. You got to allow yourself to be trained. You have to, secondly, manage your resources. 
Thirdly, you have to manage your expectations. Fourthly, we talked about you have to know the truth. Number five, we talked about making good investments. Number six, we talked about understanding the God you love. If you want to live in this new world, you've got to understand the God you love. And then number seven, you have to be mature. And we did two-part series on that. And then we talked about be confident and doing the work. Don't take shortcuts. You have to do the work. Then we talked about making good decisions last month. And then we talked about changing what does not work. That's what we're going to talk about this month. If you want to know how to live in this new world, those are our 11 things, or really 10 things you have to deal with. And again, I did a double, double teaching uh, two months in a row uh, on maturity and this whole important piece in your life. You've got to be a mature person. And now we close out the year talking about what works and what doesn't work. And we're going to start with what doesn't work. And that is a division, doesn't work. Living in this new world, that becomes really clear to me, that division does not work. And you have to face your weaknesses. And one of the big weaknesses, Jesus said, was any kingdom divided against itself is in trouble. It can't stand. And you have to realize that if that happens, you are lost and you are in trouble. Let me read the text for you again, Matthew 12, 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. That's a prophecy. Not might be ruined, but will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. That's pretty strong. Jesus said this, verse 26. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And I'll come back and explain that in a minute. This whole conversation in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, is rooted in a concern or an accusation that some leaders made about Jesus. Jesus healed a man, which I'll talk about in a second here. And when healing this man who was um, a blind man, they, they became so overwhelmed with the, with the fact that he did this that they were trying to find some explanation for it. And they began to divide and they began to teach division as some explanation for why this guy was healed. So listen to me. Notice what happened in, in, in summary here. Genesis, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 12, not Genesis, chapter 12. In verse 22 through verse 29, I'm going to just summarize and put on the screen for you a statement. This summarizes those verses. Jesus healed a man earlier and freed him from demon possession. In our culture, this language brings up Hollywood movie images and so on. And movies like The Exorcist and others like it, we are convinced that evil spirits possess people and control their behavior. A man in this story is freed from such a bondage, and the leaders seek to explain how Jesus accomplished this. Now, that's the verse I'm about to read to you. I'm about to read to you verse 22 of Matthew chapter 20, 12, chapter 12, and I want you to listen carefully to this lesson Jesus gives them about the strength of a united kingdom. Remember, he's clear that a divided kingdom doesn't work. He made that statement in Matthew 12, the text we read earlier. Now in verse 22, I want to go back a little bit to Matthew 12 and 22, and I want to read for you how this all started, how this conversation of division, why Jesus even said a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. What made Jesus say that to them? Listen to what happened, verse 22, Matthew 12. It says, then they, whoever they are, brought him a demon-possessed man 
who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both walk and, and see. And all the people were astonished. The they, who are these people who, who got together and said, we are committed to an assumption that Jesus can make a difference in this guy's life. He was possessed, blind, dependent, mute, no future, no hope, but they believed in him. Notice how unity brought them together. And there's something that happens when people believe, when they're confident. I love this. These people were confident, willing to do anything that could free a man that, that is not even named. He's not even named. He's not named, nor are the people who healed him. Everybody's just fighting for this guy's life. I love the power of unity. Notice what happens when a community unites. Notice what happens when a family unites. Was it his cousin, his brothers? I don't know, but there's something about this. But when there's division, there's a danger. When you divide, you look for areas to complain about. You look for things to fuss about. You look for, and you see this in, you see this in our society. You see this in community. You see this in government. You see people dividing. And here's what Jesus said. This is an example of it in verse 20, uh, chapter 12 of Matthew, verse 24. It, it, it ruins everything. L listen to what, what happens in verse 24. When the Pharisees heard this, when they heard about this guy that was healed, when they heard about this guy who had no hope, but now he has hope, when they heard about this guy who was down, but now he's up, when he heard about this, they said, it's, it's, it's only, it can only be Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. That's why he got better. That's how Jesus helped this guy get better. He, he was used by the devil to free this guy. <laughs> that, that's how he was able to drive out the demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom, this is what prompted the conversation in the beginning. This is what made Jesus make this statement. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. It's not going to work. He, he kind of says, excuse me, gentlemen, I, I can tell you're thinking something here, and you want to say that I helped this guy get better under the power of the devil, under evil forces. <laughs> And he says, it doesn't work like that. Let me give you a kingdom lesson about how it works. Even in the kingdom, in the spiritual dimension of the kingdom, there's no division. And he makes an argument that's profound. Unity, he says, really <laughs> is what brings about control and stops abuse. Unity is what really brings about protection. And he paints this picture in verse 27. He said, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do you, your people, drive them out? If I'm doing it by the power of the devil, are you doing it by the power of the devil? And then he goes on and says, so then they will be your judges. I, you know, I, want, I want you to be clear that what you said about me is really wrong. What's really happening in verse 29, eight, verse 28, I'm sorry. In verse 28, he says this, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Pause. You guys need to rethink your argument because really what's happening is it's the kingdom of God, the rulership of God. That's what kingdom means. The rulership of God is invading the, the darkness and freeing people who are bound. That's what's really happening. 
So this is a deep argument. For those of you that aren't Bible people, you're not really church people, it may get, count, sound spooky, but don't get spooked. It's just a statement. If we say that the enemy, the devil, is against us, and his goal is to enslave us and to, to cause us issues, why would he work against himself? That's the argument. You're saying I did it by the power of the devil. That doesn't make sense. If the devil wants to hurt me and I'm being hurt, the devil's happy about it. He's not going to free the guy. He's not going to help the guy. He's going to make the guy worse. Then he goes on and makes another argument. He says, again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder the house. So let's be clear. If with this guy is bound and now he's freed, that means somebody stronger than the bondage came into his life and freed him. Here's the point. There's something about understanding that there is power when a stronger force is present. This is a great teaching. I'm telling you what. If you think about this, it's powerful. You are freed by a power that's greater than what's holding you. That's what he's saying. There's a unified effort in the kingdom of God to invade the kingdom of darkness and free people like this guy. There is a, their unity is on both sides. The devil is unified in his effort to hurt you, and God is unified in his desire to free you. And this is an example of the kingdom of God invading and freeing a guy who was bound. That's what he says. He's showing you that division is not how it works, not even in the kingdom. That's not how it works. Division doesn't free people. Unity does. Unity frees people. It, 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 it gives people the power to take charge of their life when you unify and band together. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. By the way, be clear, that's all that matters. Us banding together and fighting together. But then he says, there's a warning I want to give you. And I, I, I can stop really at verse 29, but I, I mean, why not read the next two verses? Because the next two verses are often kind of passed over. So let me just throw this in as a bonus for you. He said, unity really helps you identify your enemies. Division is something that hurts you. Unity is something that helps you. Here's what he says in verse 30. Whoever's not with me, or unified with me, right? It's against me. Whoever's not with me, it's against me. Be clear. This is, how, this is how it works. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. If you're not with me, not unified with me, then you're not with me. This is a clear statement. I know who my enemies are. I know what works and what doesn't work. They were misunderstanding. Jesus said, I'm not the enemy. You guys have seen this wrong. He says, you're either with me or against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. And I tell you, watch this now, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Now that is where I want to pause for a second because this is a strong statement. Because in the middle of this, he kind of gives them a warning. Uh, you need to be careful. I, I know you guys are trying to unite and find a reason to say that this guy didn't get better because of God's power and I didn't, God didn't use me to bring healing to this guy. But you need to be careful because you're walking a very thin line here. In your efforts to be divisive, in your efforts to be difficult, what you're doing 
is something very bad. You're blaspheming against the very work of God. You're speaking against what God is doing. You got to be careful what you say. Because he said, you can't be forgiven for that. But as long as you reject me, as long, and this is, what I, this is what this is about. As long as you reject me, as long as you push against me, as long as you stay divided, you can't be forgiven. It's a pretty strong statement. He says, I tell you, verse 31, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. Now, this is all about one simple point. Get this right, okay? This is about you saying you're not willing to accept what's obvious. It's obvious that God healed this man. And you're so divided and so willing to be, be hateful that you're willing to ascribe this to the devil. You said that Beelzebub is how I did this. Be careful, guys. These are religious guys who knew better. Be careful. There's a moment in your life when you just need to say, I don't like to be second. I don't want Jesus to be the preeminent person. That's a more honest statement. But to ascribe it to the devil took it to another level. To reject an obvious move of God is a dangerous position to take. And, and, to, and to, to do that in, in a way that is divisive and harmful and to take a position of non-repentance, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. You ever seen people do that? I'm not going to say I refuse, even though I see it. I know this guy was blind. I know this guy was in a bad shape. I know, I know, I know. But I, I can't bring myself to repent. I can't bring myself to accept it. And he says, as long as you take that position and speak those words, those blasphemous words, he says, and that's a strong statement. He says, you can't be forgiven. If you're willing to repent, you can. But as long as you take that position, you can't be forgiven. Now or later. And what's sad is some people take the position, I see God moving in my life. I see God reaching for me. And I still refuse to come. I feel a heavenly itch. I feel a heavenly push but I refuse to even admit that this sermon is reaching into my very bones and making me think I need to stop and apologize to God for rejecting what I know is God. Right now, you feel it. Be careful not to reject that. Now, I close with this. I close with this. <laughs> These are what I call divided the divided hypocrisy of religious leaders. There's a, a way that they thought that Jesus revealed in this last statement that makes me think. Here's what he said in verse 20, 33. He said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Now, this is where he gets to the, the tough part of the text in verse 20, verse 34. Here's what he, he, and he, call, he calls them a name. And, and, and it's a code word for hypocrisy. 
He shows the divisive, venomous attitude they had. And here's what he says. You brood of vipers. How can you, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks where the heart, what, what the heart is full of. He looks at these guys and says, you're unredeemable. You're so vicious and unwilling to say you're sorry. You take your divisive position and you're so unwilling to say, you know, you're right. That you can't be reached. Now, I want to tell you what's sad is if that were ever to be said about you or me. That I'm so anti-God and anti-truth that no matter what you show me, I'm like a viper. I just bite without any sense of loyalty or commitment or willingness to change. Then he closes with the verse 35. A good man brings forth, brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored, stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment. For every empty, look at this now, word that they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Wow. Think with me for a minute. Are you just fighting to fight, being divisive just to be divisive? You refuse to hear what God is saying. You refuse to pause. You, you made a decision that you're just going to be uh, whatever you are. Politically, no matter if you see there's some truth to the other side of an argument. You've decided in a family situation to just be difficult because you just want to be difficult. You don't have any, you, you're just, you've made a decision like these guys to be divisive, blaspheme, talk bad about, mock, laugh at, even though you know. You know, one of the great maturity moments in my marriage was in the middle of an argument. Yeah, argument, right? in the middle of a disagreement, intense fellowship, whatever you call it, if the person says something to you that makes you think, can you pause right then and say, wow. My wife, we were talking about something one time, and she said to me, in the middle of the conversation, she said, Rick, can you name anybody that has the power you have, that has the power you have in my life? Can you name anybody? You're my boss, pastor, husband. Come on, guy. Uh, main provider. She names a bunch of things, and she said, name somebody that you are basically as vulnerable to as I am to you. And I paused. Well, I can think of a lot of one-liners she's had with me. I, can, I, can, I was talking to my kids, and they would say things, and you just, you know, in the middle of the conversation, if you can pause, not blaspheme, not be mad, not yell at, not scream, not defend yourself, just say, okay, let's not divide anymore. That's truth. Can you embrace the truth? The Bible said that's what makes you free. For some of you, it is the moment you need. The moment you need is now because you're just blaspheming and cussing and screaming and taking defense and fighting left and right, fighting your mom and your dad. Fight. You, I mean, you're blaspheming against God, your family, everybody. There is this 
You're in this mindset of, of defense and fight. And I see this in our country, this fight and everybody's left and right and middle and everybody's wherever they are. And there's no sense that we are, we are slowly, systematically ruining everything for all of us. A house, a kingdom, a city divided, Jesus said, will be ruined and cannot stand. So if you want to change that, then you need to back up the train a little bit. And you need to tell yourself, you know what? Maybe I need to rethink my attitude. Maybe I need to pause and say to myself, this is dangerous. God established nations. God established kingdoms. God established all of this. Next time I'll talk about why. But he warns us. I helped you establish all that you have. I helped you establish family, government, local government, national government. God's in all of that. Romans 13, read ahead, you'll see. Romans chapter 13. But if we're not careful, we'll wreck it all. And it will be our fault. It will be our, our doing. All so you can win. Also, you can win an argument. On the internet, it's everywhere. Everybody's got this need to just blast everybody, give sarcastic comments, insult people, belittle leaders. It's just, let's go for it. Let's just stab each other. One verse says, we bite and devour one another. That's what's happening. And the question is, are you participating in that? Can I ask a question, Pastor Ray? Sure you can. Can you give your opinion? Yeah, speak the truth in love. Yeah, you can give your opinion, but in love, not with this attitude. It might help your house if you change today. Let's stop blaspheming, yelling at each other, speaking evil of each other, denying what God is saying to us about ourselves, and change, and watch the world be a better place. I'll talk more about this next time. Father, let's pray. I pray, God, for your spirit to touch, Lord God, those who've heard this message today. For some, it's a moment of repentance because they've been over the cliff too far, too far, too far. For some of us, Lord God, it's a moment of reflection and backing up the train. We are supposed to be representatives of you, not angry, mad people. Let this word sink into our spirits and bring healing to our nation. And I give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Well, I pray that was sobering for you. Division hurts everything. It causes everything to be chaotic and we lose our footing. I wanna pray for you today. For some of you, division in your home has been a problem, division in your community, and for sure, division in government. Can we pray? Father, I pray for those today in our government who are in the middle of a great divisive moment. Healing, I pray to our government. Wisdom, I pray to those who are leaders. May they see the wisdom in uniting and not dividing. And secondly, Lord, I pray for our communities, our local communities, where we have divisions that are ripping apart the fiber of who we are. I also pray, God, for our households. The root of almost all division starts in our homes. And I pray that you would help us today to find a unified way to band together, to fight for a common cause, to get to a better destination. And I give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember what works. Remember what doesn't work. I have more to say next time. Stay unified. Stay together. We need each other. Don't be divided. See you next time. Bye-bye.